I know what you all really want is some gross caricature of a woman to prove some idiotic point that power makes a woman masculine, or masculine women are ugly. Hello and welcome to this episode of Game on Girl, the podcast where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. This week, we're talking about a new meme you may have seen floating around the internets, gender flipping. And as usual, we'll put a wrap on our weekend geek and talk about what we're watching, reading, and playing. So stay tuned, and we're glad you're listening to Game on Girl. Junkie.com is an Australian pop culture pinboard. Regina recently sent me an article written by Junkie's Caitlin Welsh titled, Is Gender Flipping the Most Important Meme Ever? She's discussing the resurgence of using gender flipping. What if she had been a he instead of a woman to expose gender bias? Introduces the topic of various ways of gender flipping, drag, visual flipping, as in imagery like comics, photographs, word flipping, and she mentions this but I put it at the end, avatar flipping. Regina, what do you think of this mechanism of communication? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in what ways do you think it's effective? I think it's effective because images communicate a lot more than words do. At least I I think the image memes um, are the most effective. One of the first ones I remember she cites in the article was when they took the Avengers poster And they put all of the male characters in Black Widow's pose because she was posed with her butt facing forward and everybody else were posed in very action-oriented positions. And I remember seeing that and I was like, oh, that's kind of (laughs) nice. And it says, it shows the discrepancy in a way that you can point out and you can say, you know, okay, there's differences between how men and women are are portrayed and how men and women are sexualized. But when you actually see it like twisted on its head like that, it makes more of an impact, I think, than when we're just talking about it, when we're just using words. Why does that have more impact than, say, if we were to compare, say, Botticelli's Birth of Venus versus the sculpture of the discus thrower, uh, a masculine athletic sculpture? Well, do you mean the same sort of thing where you would take, like, Botticelli and make it, a ma- you know, somebody would flip it and make it a masculine Venus? Well, yeah. I mean, what, what point would you be proving there if you did that? Well, well, I, I think it's it, it, it's interesting if we look at, I mean, in, in those representations sort of of classical art, you have more passivity in in the characters in general. They, they tend to be in more passive positions. But that's one of the things that's different is the different action positions that masculine, especially superheroes, take in a lot of the comics. You have that as one as one sort of difference. You have active versus passive as yes. one of the things that, that gets pointed out with this. You know, Venus in Botticelli, which is, you know, one of the most beautiful paintings ever, you can very clearly she you know, she's very clearly just standing there. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Very clearly just standing there naked. And uh, what was the other one that you wanted to compare it to? The discus thrower. It's a, an ancient Greek bronze sculpture of 
um, a, a traditional Greek athlete, mm-hmm. naked athlete going the distance. But it's in act in action, right? Yes, it's an active pose active. where, yeah, that would be one of the first things I would notice that yeah. we, we tend to, in terms of the way that we create gender, we tend to conflate masculinity with action, femininity with passivity. And, and those are things that kind of come out in these in these memes as as long as well as, you know, the, the different ways that we pose male and female models and heroes and, and all different kinds of things. So I, I think that would be one thing I, I the image that keeps coming to my mind when I think about comparing Botticelli's Venus. I think of comparing it to David. David is also in a passive position. He's just yes. sort of standing there. That was the epitome of art at that time was looking at passive figures. I don't want the audience to think that I'm attacking Regina or trying to set her up. So what I better <laughs> I better fess up for what, what I think about this. I, of course, as usual, I agree and disagree. The article, and we'll have a link of it up, I, I think the strongest images that communicate the point are the ones they show in from advertising. I think mainly, well, not mainly, but they, they seem to be more explicit probably because they're real. I don't have a problem with, I think innately, the female body, it's not that she's in a passive position because she is expected to be passive. I think that it's about her femininity. Women are beautiful. They are voluptuous and you want to look at them and the, that he is an artwork in and of herself. You don't necessarily get that same feeling from looking at a masculine figure, but predominantly the artists like women in the refining position because just even in their stillness, they're gorgeous. Now, what I think we're seeing in like the comet and with the reverse and stuff, I think the reverse looks ridiculous because. I don't think a man looks voluptuous in those positions. But the, the key, I think, was you're turning the woman into nothing but sex. By, by flipping it by, or? By positioning her in that way. Oh, right, right. Like, but, where her butt's showing right. and, and she's bent over weird and she's got the... And what's basically the largest things on her anatomy and that's in closest perspective are her boobs and her butt. Right. So if she's, especially in a comic, when she's supposed to be a superhero, she's being seen in a sexual way. Right. She's not being put in a active position. No. She's just basically being posed like a pinup. Right. And that's the thing that about the meme that I love is flipping it around where you see the male, especially the male superheroes for me, I, those, those seem to have the most impact with their butts up in the air because it's so sort of ingrained in female heroines to, you know, have them posed with, you know, contorted or in a position where, you know, if they're riding a horse or something like that, their butts kind of up and back in the air. So it's, it's very pronounced and that doesn't happen for, you know, masculine heroes. (laughs) That's because of the predominantly, I mean, you don't want to see a man with his butt stuck up, stuck up in the no. air. So if you could exploit his anatomy, right. how would you have him drawn? Right. You well, could have him drawn with the great big giant square jaw, the obnoxious shoulders that are just impossible, the giant legs, and a, a huge, huge crotch. Right. 
Right. And that, and we don't, but we don't see that. I mean, you know, that, that isn't how the masculine ends up being represented. I mean, the the shoulders and the jawline and the sort of classic hero look, those are clearly, you know, Superman, you know, everybody talks about when they cast Batman that they have to make sure they cast an actor with a strong jawline because most of his face is hidden by the mask. You know, all of those things are, are there, but that, that idea of focusing in on the sexuality doesn't happen for the male heroes. You know, it, that's not what it's about. It's about the strength that's portrayed through through other masculine traits. It's not the strength that's portrayed yeah. through a huge phallus sticking out of his pants, which would be, yeah. you know, the equivalent if you were to take it and do an equivalent, you know, meme where you took and you focused on the, you know, the masculinity, the physical mm-hmm. manifestation of the masculinity. That's what you'd have. You'd have a bunch of superheroes running around with big penises, yeah. you know, bulging out of their pants. Or, you know, if you want to be even more crude, you know, the zipper would be coming down and you'd be able to see a little bit of it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's what you're doing when you're looking at the cutout cleavage window <laughs> yeah. for any of the female, any of the female superheroes. Yeah. And that's what photography of the ad of the woman on the desk. Yeah. I love that one. I love that one, too, that they yeah. had a man pose like that as well. I don't know if you got a chance to see one of the late links that I sent to you, but um, somebody did a send up of what pinup photography looks like with male models. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I love that one too because it's you look at the positions and and they're dressed in similar clothes as well. So you know, like short shorts and knee high socks and things like that. And it just kind of takes it to this. Wow. I even had a friend of mine say to me, he's like, "Did you post that thing with like the male models as pinups?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "That was so disturbing." I'm like, "Yeah, it was hilarious too." He's like, "Yeah, but it was so disturbing." <laughs> Oh, see, I don't think that makes the point as well, though. I, I think that's a funny, yeah. but I have a certain amount of respect for the pen. It oh, I, is a piece of artwork. Don't get me wrong. I, you oh, know, okay. I love, I, I, I own pinup clothes. I, I love the pinup style. I love pinup pictures. I think they're fantastic. I don't, I don't have a problem with pinup at all, especially if it's, you know, something that, a woman is choosing to do. Uh, uh, both uh, Ann Wheaton and Bonnie Burton were both in, um, I think, a calendar of pinup poses or a book of pinup poses recently. And um, one of the great things about Bonnie Burton's picture is, you know, she's an author. So in her pinup picture, she's got like a typewriter and other like writerly things. <laughs> so what's the difference then between the pinup and the advertising photograph of the woman on the desk? Because the woman on the desk obviously was not coerced into that. She agreed to do that pose. Well, I think at least at least in part for me, a, a part of what it is, is the motivation behind the pictures. When you're selling something, it changes the entire motivation of the picture. There's, you know, you can read multiple articles about women's bodies in advertising. And if you start looking for it, I think I've mentioned this on the show before. If not, I know I've mentioned it to my students multiple times because I teach about advertisements in most of my composition classes. You start looking at women's bodies in advertising, you'll see several trends. One, that often their faces are obscured. So you can't actually see their faces either by their hair. Sometimes their heads are cut off entirely. Vast majority of the time in advertisements, we see just fragmented women's bodies, just feet or legs or arms. Clothes are hung differently on women models than they are on males. I mean, you can just go through huge numbers. And it's all for the titillation of selling. And, you know, it's not that the pinup girls aren't selling, you know, books or magazines or whatnot. But it's sort of calling back to, I don't even know if it's that so much as if you're 
choosing to do it for certain reasons, I guess. That's that's just the thing that kind of changes it for me, the, the motivation of it. The, if the base motivation of the, the woman on the desk, you know, crawling half naked across the desk with, I think, if I'm not mistaken, her hair in her face. Yes, you can't see her face. You can't see her face, you know. No. And that's selling what exactly? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just know that 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 particular image to me is the perfect example of the objectification. Yeah. I, there's an ad that I use in class that I, I, the student brought in one, one year and I, I'm like, I have to keep this. I'm sorry. I cannot, <laughs> I cannot give this back to you. And the basic thing, it was a, it's a St. Pauli girl ad and the beer bottle was shaped um, like a voluptuous woman. And instead of having a face, she had a foam head of beer. And it is the most repulsive thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I think the caption is, you never forget your first St. <laughs> Pauline girl or something like that. Although, but she's got no face. So yeah. any girl could be Very forgettable. your first St. Pauline girl, you know, the idea of, you know, the foam on the face, you know, it's just, it's really disgusting. It's fun to use in class because students are looking at it like, wow, where did this come from? And I'm like, I don't even know. I can't even tell you like what magazine it came out of because it just showed up at my door and I was like, hmm. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, I don't have a problem with the free market. I don't have a problem with capitalism or free speech or any of that. But I do realistically look at the advertising industry because they will do anything for a dollar. It's their job. They will do absolutely anything to sell a cracker, a car. It doesn't matter what it is. As long as they can get you to pay attention one second longer than you do with their competition. If, if they can get you to stop in the aisle, they'll do it. Yeah. Whatever, they, they will push the bounds, push the legal bounds, push push moral bounds, everything. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no question about that. I guess if, if we really want to look at it in, in a very objective way, it is the capitalization on the bodies of people in general but women specifically. Yes. And because that, you know, that whole concept of sex cells, et cetera, et cetera, causes this fragmentation of, of women's bodies and all this. And, you know, when we see it and um, there was that Dead Island Riptide cover. Did you see the controversy from that a while back, a few months ago? I was so disgusted by it, I couldn't even talk about it. <laughs> Uh, they ended up it's a zombie you know dead island is a zombie and then riptide is the second the second installment in the franchise the cover was a decapitated armless torso of a female zombie that was the cover Mm -hmm. of the game was a complete i mean talk about a complete fragmentation of a female body yeah Yeah. um and and that was and i i think they ended up pulling it because it got so much bad press but oh yeah oh absolutely the boobs were huge Oh well see that's see that's the thing it's like you know even if she's a zombie you can put boobastic on the cover because you're selling right exactly exactly that's more than sad it's just all i can muster up with him right now that (laughs) well i tell you what i found a little bit more effective believe it or not because i mean you actually kind of referred to it in the beginning that you thought the visual was stronger than the the written but Mm -hmm. i actually think that the the word flipping is more powerful. Well, that's not totally true because I think the woman, the half naked woman on the desk is is so startling. It's yeah. Just, it's so horrible. Yeah. But it it may be more effective across gender bounds if you want to show something to a man 
and say, look, so this is how bad it is and change all the gender words, flip all the gender words in a news article right. or in an ad. I think that across demographics might be more effective. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I think yeah, if you are talking to someone who's going to listen to an argument about this in a rational way, then I, I think the pronoun flipping, I think, is is totally fantastic. But I don't think for people who are already like have their hackles up about women are equal and we don't need feminism and this is, you know, these are things, you know, you just have your panties in a wad for whatever reason. Th- those kind of dismissive arguments aren't going to take the time to look at the nuance in a oh, no. textual analysis like that, which is one of the reasons why I think the visual analysis end up having so much m- greater of an impact. Yeah, but I don't think they have an impact on that kind of person, though. I, I, w- I would... Well, th- no, I take that back. I, I didn't mean no impact. I just think when you get to the point to where you're ta- dealing with that type of person... It's going to take something else. Well, I think what 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 I hope happens, and and I know and I, and I know that this is like Regina's like pretend land of everybody might actually have you know a breakthrough in their perceptions of the world. <laughs> Happy place that I live, thinking sometimes that these things could actually change or people's perspectives could actually change. You know, you're an artist, so you know the impact of images and and that. And I think that the image flipping carries the kind of weight it does, I hope, because sometime later, I hope, they, they see this image and they see the flip of the pinup, the male pinups, or of the heroes or the Avengers or whatever it is. They see it and they're like, oh, wow, look at that. And then maybe there's a chance that later when they look at an ad of a fractured and broken woman who you can't see her face or you're just seeing her body parts, there's a chance they might remember the other images yeah. and, and see the flip and go, oh, I wonder what that would look like if it was a guy. And even if that's just the beginning of the thought process, I think that's pretty valuable. You do live in happy land. <laughs> I will never, ever give up my idealism. I, I no, refuse. No. <laughs> but, I, but to me, the... But what you're asking that 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 really chaotic mind thinking is to start start connecting the dots. Right. Right. At all. I firmly believe that everybody's capable of that. Everybody oh, yeah. is capable of that. It's just whether or not they they take the time or or have mm-hmm. the tools or the skills or the props they need to be able to apply that kind of knowledge to what they're doing is is where the questions lie. You know, can they make these jumps? Can they connect the dots? They can. It's just whether or not people will choose to. And I also understand, you know, that many, many people love to live in the state of denial. So <laughs> like two other forms of gender flipping that I think are extremely effective. And I actually think green cases of, of the misogyny and the way that, that, that some guys women was the example of Dustin Hoffman and Tootsie and with avatar flipping. And that has to do with the article you sent me um, at the last minute about the guy who logged in as his wife's avatar. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I think guys need to do. And if not that, then I think what they need to do is to create their mom an avatar and have her sit down and play MMORPG and listen to the way that she gets talked to. Absolutely. I think that that would be fantastic 
change. <laughs> and and just like that guy, just like he reflects, I'll have the links for all these articles up on, on the site. The article is Game on Ladies, and it's on flygirlgamers.com. And it's about a guy who played under his wife's um, Xbox Live tag, which, had a, which was a gendered female tag, and the kind of harassment that he ended up experiencing as he was playing. Yeah, he never revealed that, that he was a man, and they, uh, the third party in the group, there was a party of four, the third party in the group never spoke up until the end. It turned out that, that she actually was a woman, and whenever she, she was like, huh, look at that, Me, the two girls beat the two guys, and then they just unloaded on them. They just went crazy at that point. And... Yeah, they just, the most horrible trash and vulgar stuff um, they could think of to say i mean they they unloaded and it it just was eye-opening to me and which was the same event had you ever seen the um dustin hoffman interview before yeah it it made the rounds on uh on facebook um when i say made the rounds on facebook that means like at least 20 people on my facebook feed posted the the interview when it came up so yeah i had i had seen it (laughs) i had never seen it before and to me that is just a wonderful true life experience that just revealed a lot i mean it is it is personal it's one-on-one it's what happened to him he just talked about how dressing as a woman changed his viewpoint not in just one way but just very multifaceted ways it's a really powerful piece and it's a really really powerful moment my my question comes is so you know, Tootsie was out how many years ago? 30? Look, I think it was, yeah, I think it was 85, yeah. 83. So it's, I, I, I just keep looking at it and thinking, why is this, kind of, why is he reflecting on this now? <laughs> why didn't he say this then? <laughs> or if he did, maybe he did and it just didn't go viral like it did, like this clip did. But um, showing, showing that one of the things we rarely get to see in terms of masculinity it is like the softer side of masculinity. It's rare that you see true sort of uh, expressions of concern in in any kind of masculine portrayal. And that's what I love about that clip is is he's genuinely moved while he's sharing that. And I love that aspect of it. Like that was really powerful. And I'm really glad that things like that do go viral. I, I think that what was moving about it to me is that he was able to admit that he had a bias and he realized that it was unfair and that he had to you know go home and look at the women in his life and just kind of was like I'm sorry (laughs) Um, I'm sorry Tootsie (laughs) yeah yeah and to me that's what's moving because to see see a guy look inside and go oh man I can't believe I did that. I'm such a knucklehead. Yeah, I'm I'm complicit with this this behavior. I've I've done this. I've been part of this, and it's rare. So, what do you think about like the Calvin Klein men's underwear commercial, like Beckham, and I mean they're just you know very sensual. Sometimes I can see these things as art. <laughs> And that might be some of the examples of of that. I mean, sometimes the the photography is beautiful. There there are some ads that I, some spoof ads of Calvin Klein's 
that I use in class, and maybe I'll put those up with this post as well, that are from Adbusters is the website that they came from. One of them is is called Calvin Klein, and Klein is spelled wrong, which is how they can use it, and it's a black and white picture. (laughs) And it says reality, and it shows a very, well, reasonably obese man with a very, very hairy chest and belly. Yes, I think I've seen Reality, you know, reality by Calvin Klein. And um, Obsession by Calvin Klein shows a, you know, attractive man um, looking, you know, holding out his underwear and looking at his his junk. (laughs) (laughs) You already said penis on the show. (laughs) I did say penis. So, yeah, he's looking at his penis. He's looking at himself. And so and it's Obsession by Calvin Klein. Um, So I, I, I can't see a Calvin Klein ad anymore and not think of the spoofs of them. Because, because I'm constantly thinking of that. What what is this ad playing on? You know, what insecurity? Because that's a lot of what you know the the buying. You need to buy. You need to have this to be better. To be this. To be that. Choosy moms choose Jeff. If you want to be a choosy mom, you have to buy Jeff for your kids. You know those kinds of ideas. Yeah. So I, I constantly think about like those. So I can't. I have never since those those spoofs. Since I started using those spoofs, and I have not been able to take a Calvin Klein ad seriously. <laughs> Well, that, what, one of the things I like about the article is that it ended with, okay, what do we do? Yeah, I love that too. Like I said, if you got a call to action, you've already got me at least somewhat in your pocket. I, w- I wasn't quite on board with, not that I wasn't on board. I just thought they were kind of weak, but they were good starting questions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like I said before, I think the big question is, you know, would you want someone talking to your mother like that? Right, Exactly. Exactly. Well, if you know, we want to go back to our our very first interviews with Ryan and Mark, their observations were don't don't say anything online that you wouldn't say directly to somebody's face, which is the, you know, the anonymity of the internet. I can say this because nobody's looking at me saying it, you know, treat treat it like you're standing in front of the person. You wouldn't say it to your boss. You wouldn't say it to your mom. You know, if if you're in a, a social setting, you wouldn't say it you know, out loud at a party. I mean, right. don't say it when you're on Xbox Live. Don't say it when you're <laughs> playing World of Warcraft. Don't play it. Don't say it when you're playing any other game where you're interacting. Skip it when you're playing Left 4 Dead. You know, nobody needs to hear that. Well, if anything, it's just a measuring stick. I mean, e- even if, you know, just right before you start to say something like that, you want to trash talk or whatever, you just kind of check yourself and say, you know, is this the appropriate situation? Because right. definitely we don't have a problem against trash talk. Right. Well, but, there's, yeah, there's trash talk within limits. That's a, yeah. one of the great things that we had about having um, Jenny Hanover on, you know, who does the uh, the Call of Duty snippets from her gameplay. And she put a clip up um, a couple of weeks, no, last week, I think it was, which is an audio inbox message that she got that she was actually complaining to Xbox about, which she doesn't do very often, but... I don't think she does very often, but she's waiting to hear back because a guy had told her um, he was going to repeatedly rape her and get her pregnant with triplets and then make her have a late term abortion. And I was just like, what? Yeah, I'm like listening. And he recorded this and sent it to her as like an email. So it wasn't even like in game. It was like he went and found her later and recorded and sent this to her. So you can't tell me things like that on the air because we're we're audio only. And I'm just sitting up trying to figure out what to say. <laughs> Sorry, I'll try not to. <laughs> I'll try not I mean, to share so much disturbing stuff. But that's that's one of the things. It's not that, even in the heat of the moment. No, no, it's not. It's it's methodical. It's thought out, and it's malicious. I mean, absolutely viciously malicious. 
And and I don't, you know, you don't know because you don't know what kinds of other, you know, incidents this this person has had in, in gaming if he would send that to a male player. But I, I highly, highly doubt that the trash talk, even post-game trash talk that he would have with a male gamer would be, I'm going to rape you and make you have an, a late-term abortion. What? <laughs> So don't do that. <laughs> well, did you have any other insights that I didn't I didn't cover or grill you on? <laughs> <laughs> now you hit you know the, the couple of just very short things that I would want to bring to the, the same discussion is just to say something that has been talked about recently in the media with all the superhero movies that we've had. We still don't have a Wonder Woman movie, and everybody knows at least everybody who's been listening to the show for any time knows you know that Wonder Woman's a pretty poignant character in my life and in many women's lives as we had when Christy was on the show too talking about Wonder Woman the documentary it's time I mean it's just overdue <laughs> and we've had all these superhero movies to have like this glaring omission of Wonder Woman uh, not having not having had her own movie or you know a TV show or something like that that's going to take on the character in a new and powerful way I think is a real shame and that's just one of the other sort of discrepancies they see sort of in this world world of comics, I guess. We ought to write it, Virginia. Uh, you know, maybe I will. <laughs> I was actually thinking about that the other day. I'm like, I need to brush up on my Wonder Woman and uh, and see if I can get a little bit more experience here. And uh, maybe I will do that and see if I can get Joss to direct it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He would, he would add just the right amount of mine. Yes, he really would. He really would. So... And if I were to give our listeners any kind of call to action with this gender meme flipping, gender flipping meme, I would say, you know, keep sharing them because, you know, as the article, junkie article said at the end, you know, it's not going to be instant transformative social justice, but, you know, slow build, <laughs> slow build yeah, and, awareness. I mean, the other thing is speak out. Yes. I mean, there's nothing that helps more than if another guy calls a guy out. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. If you are, if you are hearing, you know, some of the examples we've heard from not in the kitchen anymore or anything else like that, if you're hearing people who are behaving like this, don't stand idly by and just, you know, blow it off or think it's okay. Stand up, stand up and teach people. It's, you know, every person can make a difference and, and watch yourself with what you say too, you know. Well, we definitely will have the articles that we've talked about and the different references on the blog. So you can go to Game on Girl and check that out. And you can also find our social media connections there so you can communicate with us about this topic. So we're going to talk about how we have been geeking out this week. We're going to wrap up what we've been watching, reading, and playing. Regina, what have you been watching this week? I've been watching True Blood Season 5. Um, the current season is Season 6, but I'm re-watching Season okay. 5 to build into Season 6. And Alcide can just leave his shirt off and I'd be happy. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> have you watched True Blood? No, I... Uh... I read the very first book. I think it was back before they were making the TV show. Mm -hmm. And I just, I am over that phase of my life <laughs> for the, uh, the vagina fiction. So. Oh yeah. I haven't, I haven't read 
I have the first book on my Kindle, but I haven't read it. Um, it's just not something that generally appeals to me. But um, the campiness of the show and um, just the outrageous storylines and some of the characters are really are really cool. Like um, Pamela, who is Eric's progeny, I guess is what she would be called. I love her. She's just a great, very powerful, very individual female character that I really, I really appreciate her. And then I have my issues with Sookie here and there with damsel issues and stuff where she's, um, at least in the first few seasons, she's, she's more likely to be rescued than to be rescuing. But then that flips where she ends up becoming more powerful than some of the vampires. So yeah, I never saw it as, um, fancy. It just seemed like they took themselves way too seriously in the books or in the show, in the show, in the show. Oh, I didn't, I think it's just, I don't know, I, I maybe it's just my own take on it, but I, 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 I can't take it seriously. After season two, which I call the orgy season, <laughs> there was no taking that show seriously. <laughs> good, good. That's good to hear. <laughs> that, and I, I really hope they in, invested a lot of money in all the fake blood that they use because damn. Oh, yeah. You, you know that them and The Walking Dead, the, the the artists on that, those shows have got their superlative blood formula. Have to for those. They just absolutely have to. Well, I've been watching Face Off on FX. They are getting ready to kick off a special season, which I'm not I'm not real thrilled with their theme, but I've been watching highlights from previous seasons, and I just love that show. I just keep thinking, I think all the time, you know, this may have been where I missed. But uh, Face Off is a reality show about special effects makeup, movie makeup, TV show makeup, but it's to the extreme. And it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, lots of characters, lots of creatures being created. Yeah. Superheroes, all that kind of different stuff. That's a that's an enjoyable show. And you're watching more reality TV, Rhonda. Or I'm just admitting to it. <laughs> Maybe I have all along. Maybe um, you have. I oh, I'm getting kind of a feeling here. Maybe there is a secret <laughs> thing going on. Might have to have a well, conversation with your husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. The other thing I want to mention, because I think this would be a real geek appeal. We ran across this movie by accident. I didn't know anything about it. And we watched it this past weekend. John dies in the end. You don't know it? No, it no. Oh, okay. All right. I thought maybe you might have heard of it and I was just out in the cold, but it is extremely surreal, very bizarre. But at the same time, while we were watching it, we're like, you know, this reminds me of the evil dead. So it's got that cultish type flair to it. It's definitely supernatural. It's definitely science fiction. But when it was over with, we none of us could explain it, but we all said we had fun. I love movies like that that come, you know, yeah. as kind of a surprise for you where you're like, oh, you know, I enjoyed that. And I wasn't really sure what I was going to get out of it. But that was fun. Yeah. 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 So what are you reading right now? Um, I actually stepped aside from my Tamara Pierce series about Dane uh, because I only have one book left in her series and um, I wanted to kind of savor it. <laughs> Because I do that sometimes when I'm in love with characters. I don't want to finish reading about them. Although I know she's in the other, some of the other books. So I know she's not going away completely. But since this is her origin story, I wanted to save a little bit. So I've been reading another book. Um, there's another young adult series that I read called The House of Night, uh, which is by a mother-daughter team, PC and Kristen Cast. 
And it is essentially a vampire finishing school is the idea. So yeah, it's, it's a really, I really like it. It's a really cool series. It's got a lot of really fantastic female characters. The whole organization of vampires is matriarchal in this story. So women are sort of in the positions of power generally, uh, which is interesting just to kind of turn to see. Of course, it goes horribly wrong because there's a really bad, bad, bad woman who's kind of in a very, very strong position of power at the school. So it's, it's really interesting to kind of watch that. So one of the things that PC and her daughter have done is they've done these little novellas, which are backstories of some of the main characters uh, that aren't sort of as fleshed out in the series. So they're little short books that tell their backstories. And cool. they are really cool. They're, it's really cool because some of them, at least the first two, are about characters that you absolutely love in the series, but don't get, you know, like you're talking about a movie, they don't get a lot of screen time because they're supporting characters. So you get to hear their backgrounds and sort of where they came from and their stories. And so I'm reading another novella, which is about the bad person, <laughs> and it's called Neferet's Curse. And so this is like the arch enemy of our hero, Who's, and her name is Zoe Redbird is the is the hero, and it's sort of her enemy. So it's her enemy's backstory, and I'm I'm really curious. I'm I'm only a little bit of the way through it at this point, but it's already creating a great amount of empathy for the character, which you don't really have in the book because you're just kind of like, yeah. oh my god, I hate you. So I'm really curious to see how that ends up. Now I I I hate to be uh, to judge the book by its cover, especially since I haven't seen the cover even. But it sounds like a young adult book, is it? Yeah, yeah, it is absolutely a young adult book. Yeah, it is. It is without question a young adult series. Yeah, but that's my my guilty vice. My guilty vice. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, the the enemy that I read recently was a young adult series. And I think Ready Player One was as well. Yeah, I think it was because you talked about that being a young adult one. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm still reading Poppet by Mo Hader, but I am um, very close to the end. Things are finally picking up. I didn't think they were ever going to get anywhere. I think I mentioned they had multiple storylines, three storylines going on, and they hadn't crossed yet. Yeah, you were trying to figure out where the intersection and what the purpose of all the stories were when you couldn't really see how they were going to come together. Yeah, two of them didn't cross until halfway through the book. Mm. And then the third one didn't cross until just recently, and I'm about three quarters of the way through the book. And I think that was a real big mistake because this character is extremely powerful. Mm. And I think knowing who she was earlier would have added a whole lot more to the story. Mm. It's still a very, very good story. I really have no idea where it's going, which is great. That's kind of cool, yeah. I have no idea what they're going to do with this, but I have changed some of my casting for the movie. <laughs> now that you it's, know the characters a little better. Yeah, well, and also I wanted to recast to remember because the book is British. It's set in England. So I think if the bad guy shows up, he hasn't. They talk about him a lot, but he's never shown up. He should probably be played by Matt Smith. Because I think he could very easily pull off that type of personality. Mm. He's played this wonderful, charismatic, extroverted doctor in Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. But I think he could pull off this introverted, very deeply contemplative character. That would be interesting, too, because that would end up giving him a great amount of depth that he might not have. So Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Well, have you played anything new this week? I have. Just last night, I downloaded a new old game. new old game? Yeah, a new old game. 
a game that I played many, many, many years ago. Oh, I see. And that I'm I'm replaying now because it was on Steam. It, just the nostalgia draw was too powerful for me not to get it. <laughs> Uh, be the game that you bought me. It is the game I bought you, yes. <laughs> because I remembered from our our initial interview, I remembered your missed story. And uh, when I saw that it was available on Steam, I was like, Rhonda has to play this again. So yes, so I got I got missed. I gifted a copy to Rhonda as well. So we both have missed to play now. And my very first, uh, the opening screen popped up and you click on the little book to start the adventure. Mm. And the first picture of the island pops up and I laughed out loud. (laughs) I'm so excited. Because I remember Mist being absolutely gorgeous to play. Yeah. Like absolutely beautiful. And it is still good artwork, but my God. (laughs) compared to the games now and and the resolution of games and you know all that stuff it is uh, yeah. it's it's not that but it's still it's still fun i played for about 45 minutes i was you know transported right back into to puzzle solving mode and i didn't i don't remember i remember a little bits and pieces of things but not enough to like remember how to do the puzzles or anything so i'm like right back in playing it again and that's that was just delightful I mean it was just overwhelming nostalgia but it was it was fun nostalgia so uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it yeah I mean that that moment I was standing in the store watching the demo on the television I was just mesmerized yeah yeah I remember spending a you know a good chunk of one summer vacation in college playing it um, just obsessively on and off, getting stuck on a puzzle and leaving it and coming back to it later. You know, it was, it was good times. That's kind of what happened to me last night. I had to stop because I'm like, okay. Oh, those are, see, that's good gaming memories right there. They are good gaming memories and it's nice. It's fun to go back. I haven't, I haven't done that a whole lot or had a lot of experience where I've been able to do that, to go back and play games that I had really strong memories about. So it's been, it's been fun to go back and see that and play it and be like, yeah, I remember this. I remember this game. So what have you been playing? Well, it's not nearly as exciting. I've been playing. I know this game's been out a while, but I, again, it was a, a Starbucks freebie. I've been playing Cut the Rope. Okay, I don't know Cut the Rope. I think I've heard of it. It's really cute. It's, it's, it's a puzzle game, again, somewhat like Angry Birds, mm. where you're dealing with physics. Right. And there's a little creature, and that you, you've got a piece of candy hanging from a rope. And there's all kinds of different physics going on. When you cut the rope, if the candy's in a bubble, it'll float up. If it's not on a bubble, if you cut the rope, it immediately drops. There are, like, balloons where you can blow air on the piece of candy, and it'll swing. And all of this you're trying to do to get the candy in the little creature's mouth. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there are three stars on the screen, of course. So you can get the candy in the creature's mouth, but, of course, the accomplishment at the end, you'll get scores for that, but you won't get the three stars. So however many stars you also collect, in addition, before you put the uh, candy in the creature's mouth, they'll let how far you go on the level. Oh, yeah. And there was another one. I was just looking at the name of it. I'm trying to figure out what this is. Silo? C-Y-L-O. It was another Starbucks freebie. And it's one of those that just kind of ticked me off <laughs> because I thought that it was saying something about challenging your brain power. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like a memory game. Mm-hmm. Something about it led me to believe it was a memory game. And I get into it and it's an Angry Birds ripoff. Oh. That just 
And that just sucks because you're like, I don't want this. If I wanted this, I would play Angry Birds. That's too bad. We'd love to hear how you've been geeking out this week. Let us know what you've been watching, reading, and playing. And you can find all of our connections on our website, GameOnGirl.com. I'm the co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me on Twitter at RoRoom. That's R-H-O, R-H-O-O-M. Or email Rhonda at GameOnGirl.com. And I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz, with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter and Steam, where you'll find me, I'm sure, obsessively playing Mist over the next couple of weeks. We really enjoyed discussing the gender flip meme on today's show. We'd love to see any examples that we might not have discussed, or examples you know of Tumblrs or other places where uh, this meme might be taking place, um, especially if there's any gaming-related ones. I'd love to see. I uh, haven't seen any of those. I think most of them have been superhero-related or other. So let us know if you have any of those resources to send our way. If you're going to PAX Prime, don't forget to come to the Game on Girl panel. I will be presenting What's Your Gamer Type? Friday, August 29th at 11 a.m. in the Unicorn Theater. Because of course, where else would they put me but the Unicorn Theater? I mean, is that fabulous or what, right? Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, really. And that same weekend, Rhonda's going to be at? Well, I'll be at DragonCon in Atlanta, and I actually will be a part of three panels. I also will be presenting What's Your Gamer Type on Friday at 11.30 a.m. So we'll be in Simplicado. But I am in the Grand Salon in yeah, Grand Salon C in the Hilton. Then on Saturday at 7 p.m., I will be on the panel and probably uh, moderating the panel, Gamer Girls Unite. And that's a discussion about women in gaming. And then on Sunday at 7 p.m., Bearing the Torch. How do we reach out to the gaming public and how do we get the next generation involved in gaming? Fantastic. As you can see, Rhonda's going to be much busier at Dragon Con than I'm going to be at PAX. So the rest that's of the time at PAX, work. I know that, yeah, you're you're earning your, your speaker badge. That's for sure. The rest of the time at PAX, I'm actually going to be traveling around with a video camera and putting together a little video for the site. So if you're interested in partaking in that video, you can, uh, you can find me. I will have a Game on Girl bear on my backpack. That's the best way to pick me out of the crowd. Green backpack, white Game on Girl, Gigi Bear on the back. So if you see me, stop me, and hopefully we'll get some time with you on camera and into that video, which will be pretty fun. Yeah, definitely look us up. If you're coming to either of these events, stop by the panel, say hi, let us know you're a listener. We would love to uh, brag about you. Yep, and we love to actually get a chance to connect with people. So, and we might have some swag. There might be swag. <laughs> I ordered swag today. <laughs> oh, see? See? I know. I need to do that, too, actually. <laughs> Check that off my list. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Game on Girls is available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. These links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, gameongirl.com. This podcast is edited by Ryan Room at Desert Tree Media, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, game on. Game on.